Chapter 50 of Colonel Greatheart. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gary Ullman. Chapter 50. The Lieutenant General Speaks. It was Fleetwood who began devoutly whining. Why dost thou show me inequity and cause me to behold grievance, O Lord? Verily, though they dig into hell, thence shall thy hand take them. The which is a sweet and savory comfort to Israel, said Harrison with unction. Nay, but the Lord hath sent serpents and cockatrices among us, and we are black, Fleetwood complained. O sirs, says Desborough, with simple favor, "'Tis sure a great honor unto us that the Lord hath taken thought to preserve us from such a devil. At this Cromwell made strange noises, but when they looked for him to speak, there came nothing. His face was near purple, and he bit his lip till the blood lay upon his chin. Fleetwood began again. It is written in the book of the prophet Hosea. Ireton made an exclamation and turned noisily to Fairfax. "'Well, sir,' And what say you to Colonel Stowe's part now? Why, by my faith, I have done him much wrong. I would hold it honor to call him friend. Honor? Honor? cried Fleetwood. Oh, sir, what a tinkling symbol is the honor of men. Let us ask if he be a savory member, and you shall find. A weaver of webs, a thing of subtleties, quote Lampert. Hear me, sirs, this corruption of manifold design likes me not it is written he that is not with us is against us that suffices it is written in the same book said ireton sweetly he that is not against us is with us sir let plain men be the judge of villainy and folly pass sentence on crime this is unworthy said fairfax sharply and lambert muttered why, gentlemen, it's surely clear this Colonel Stowe hath done us great service at peril of life, and that in the clean impulse of honor we have been hardly preserved from doing a horrid wrong. But as for the other, for Colonel Royston, I do profess. Pray, sir, shall we not have done with Colonel Stowe first, said Ireton, with the advocate's instinct? Why shall we find two mouths? sure all will pronounce him guiltless nay sir my conscience will not have it so groaned fleetwood i suspicion him and a malkadite in grain oh your conscience fairfax muttered will you wait your turn sir he turned to cromwell how say you cromwell started as if he had heard nothing how say you sir of colonel stow he shall not fail or be discouraged, said Cromwell, in a strange voice of dreams. It took Fairfax a moment to apprehend that. Then he turned to old Skippon. If I understand him, growled Skippon, which I do not, he hath served us, acquit. It is my mind that he hath done us more service than we can well pay, said Ireton. That was enough. Desborough and Wally followed their leaders faithfully. Harrison had enough fire in his own wild sir to honor a knight errant. They carried it. Fleetwood and Lambert snarled in vain. Colonel Stowe was brought in. Sir, said Fairfax, we have done you wrong, 
and you much service to us. I thank you. You are free to go where you will. I pray you rest in this town a while. I would know more of you. Colonel Stowe saluted. Sir, if you count yourself to owe me anything, I would it might serve my friend. Fairfax shook his head, and when Colonel Stowe would have spoken, held up his hand for silence. You can do no good, sir, he said gravely. Colonel Stowe saluted again. Indeed, he had no hope. The law of war could not permit less punishment than death. When he was gone, Fairfax broke out in a hurry. Here's ill work to do, gentlemen. Let us make short. But the righteous gentlemen drew together with relish. Now there was no occasion for mercy. They were free to be the executioners of Jehovah, and their own moment of weakness fired them to revenge. Few words, said Fairfax. When I spoke first of treachery, I had little thought the blackest traitor was of ourselves. Tis the vilest thing I have known, a manifold devilish falseness. How dare we accuse the enemy when they find one of our commission double their villainy? This Colonel Royston, bah, let's have done. Are we of one mind? He turned to Cromwell, but Cromwell waved his hand, and the question went to Skippon. Give him a halter, growled Skippon. Ireton nodded. Fleetwood had no notion of so brief a verdict. The occasion was altogether delectable. Oh, sir, said he, licking his lips, this is a great villain, and hath deceived us by those deeds which he had power to do in the might of the beast. Yea, he hath the mark of the beast upon his right hand and upon his forehead. But worthy, worthy is the lamb, and lo, we are preserved even out of the hand of his wickedness. For his sins have reached unto heaven, and God hath remembrance of his iniquities. He shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone. Yea, the smoke of his torment shall ascend for ever and ever, and he shall have no rest day or night. Colonel Harrison, cried Fairfax, snatching at the first pause. Of a truth, sir, he stinks and is corrupt. He hath troubled us. The Lord shall trouble him. Let him die the death of Achan. I would all treason were as clearly known as this shall be swiftly punished, said Lampert. No man gainsaid. There is one voice then, said Fairfax, in a hurry, loathing the task. Have him in. But Cromwell clashed his clenched hand down on the table. I'm absolute for life. It came upon them like a cannon shot from the unknown. They were held stupefied at gaze. What, shall we be more righteous than God? Will you contemn the penitent thief? Why, sirs, this man is in a higher way. He hath not waited for the cross and the hour of death. We held him of the saints. We had never known his sin, but that he stumbled himself unto us and made confession. We cried out upon him. I wish none of us may be so deep in sin. And now are we to use his repentance to his death? I profess I will go to the limit of my strength against it. Nay, this is to assail the majesty of God. Unto him the man hath committed his case. O oh, happy choice! Surely he hath liberated his soul. But he is not penitent. But he boasts of his sin. O oh, sirs, who gave you eyes that see men's hearts? 
I tell you, I have seen weak men endure with strength, strong men like to sucklings in an agony of spirit. Man, man, is it for you to order how the grace of God shall work within a man? He hath a brazen forehead, you say. Let him have what he will before men, so he will wear nothing but meekness and truth before God. And what if this very bold boasting be but an armor to hold men off from his private passages with his Lord? I would know who dares hold him wrong. Look to it that you judge not in a private anger. He will not humble himself unto you, and you are chafed. Go tell that upon your knees. All which may be very well, said Lampert stubbornly, but I know well the man is a traitor at heart. Ask Ireton there if he did not ever mistrust him, and so have I. This is but a trick to save the fellow he calls friend and himself, too, if he can. Of a truth, I have even seen guile in him, and now am well confirmed, said Fleetwood. Are you so? Have you never gone amiss in reading the hearts of men? Oh, sirs, I beseech you by the bowels of God, conceive that you may be mistaken. Believe a man may not be of your temper, and yet acceptance to God. Believe he may traverse strange ways and bring forth fruits, meet for repentance at the last. He hath sinned. Oh, I, he hath sinned deeply, and there must be punishment. Sir, I declare as I hope my own salvation. If we commit him to death, I would rather be himself than one of us. If God had determined his death, would he have moved the man to repentance? Of a surety he was granted repentance, that he might have time to work the works of repentance. He is over good a soldier of God to send to death. Do I say then he shall have no punishment? Nay, truly, he hath not sinned unto God alone, but unto men and unto men he must atone. He may not command in the army of the Lord till he hath purged his offense. This is my sentence, then. He shall be taken from his office and made a common soldier, I, upon hard service. Let him be sent to Colonel Monarch to the Welsh War. There, by the grace of God, he shall approve himself. It's an easy sentence? It's a light punishment? Nay, speak not foolishly. What? death to him. He hath made his peace with God, and in death finds all his hope. Life is the doom, life wherein he must serve God in warring with sin, where temptation crowd upon him all day, and that old serpent lies waiting for his weakest hours. Life that is the trial wherewith he shall be tried anew. I sentence him to life, so may God do his will. That's best." The good Desborough was forward to second him, and Harrison cried out, This is the naked simplicity of Christ. I will not deny it, quote Fleetwood. Let the Lord be judge. Lampert shrugged. It is your way, not mine. I'll take it for your account. Oh, John Lampert, John Lampert, cried Cromwell. It's not I that shall answer for your sentence. So be it, said Lampert in a moment. The others followed, though you would not guess Ireton well pleased. I am out of all this, grunted Skippon. I am a soldier. Fairfax turned to Cromwell. You have gone something beyond me, sir, but I'll not deny you. 
Let him live, and God help him. Do you choose to charge him? I do not see my part in it. Nay, sir, nay, said Cromwell hastily. This is your office. Well, have him in. Royston came erect, unashamed. Fairfax met eyes as fearless as his own. Colonel Royston, you have convicted yourself of a vile treason. It is the sentence of the court that you shall be stripped of your rank and all your honor and serve as a common soldier. You will go under guard to Colonel Monks and be at his orders. Royston was plainly amazed. Then all his strength was shaken. He fought hard to command himself. I, I do not know that I should thank you, he said hoarsely, but I thank you. So with his head fallen on his breast, he went out to make his life anew. When the Puritan fervor had burned itself out, when Monk felt the time come to change sides and strike for Charles II, there was chief among his aides a Colonel Royston. You can trace him very active and admit in the underground work of the restoration. In this rotten government that came in that foul court, you hear of Sir George Royston very prosperous. And if ever you come upon Lely's portrait of him, you see a strong man, sated and weary, who rated life low. End of chapter 50 Recording by Gary Ullman, West Palm Beach, Florida